0: welcome back sports fans we are back with the unrequested uh and guest slash dan is joining with me again here today we are minus robbie so you know we got his picks and that's that's about all we need from him from this week uh because we got a little bit of nfl to discuss um my ever continuing tanking predictions on games and then we gotta start to dissect all that is happening in the college
1: football world hail to the victors And hail to the (laughs) conquering heroes hail hail to michigan the leaders and the best let's kick it off i love love watching ohio state lose football games can i just mention that like i'm not a big michigan guy i've never been a big michigan guy you know i'm not again the most The best and most severe ass whooping we ever received in high school football was courtesy of Michigan recruit Steve Preston. (laughs) So it's like, you know, I've never really particularly, but I am channeling some more childhood trauma. This is I am so tired of watching Ohio State pretend like it's the greatest place. It's it's getting to Penn State levels of annoying for me that, you know, Columbus (laughs) is actually the greatest place on Earth. Oh, my God. Go get hit by a bus already. So I am just. (laughs) I am tickled pink that Michigan won that game.
0: I just wanted to see it, just for the sake of seeing it. Like, and it was—it
1: was we, not like a. You're tired of Ohio a State. Win. So,
0: no, no, this was a definitive Michigan beat knockout win. That
1: ass, Michigan was just like, yeah, we're gonna keep getting four yards. You can't stop us.
0: Did you see the la- like the last drive? The last drive they didn't call a pass play. <laughs> the game's on the line. Ohio State know exactly what was coming. And they couldn't stop it. They're like, listen, we're just going to run left or right or in the middle. Good luck. And it
1: was, Ohio State scores that touchdown. They get within one score. Here you go, guys. Get a stop. Force Michigan <laughs> to punt. Put that good offense back on the field. You're right back in this game. Michigan instead was just like, oh, no, we're road grading you. This, mm-hmm. you, are mis- you are mistaken, Ohio State, as to what this game is. Oh. We're road grading you. And it we're going to score another touchdown connection. for good measure at the end
0: it went another direction that michigan was not prepared or that ohio state was not prepared for i don't know if they just like had caught like the whiffs of how great they were and that they're number two in the country and it doesn't matter they're gonna walk in there and the history of between these rivals and harbaugh's record versus ohio state and maybe did all that you think get to them like at some point they go Yeah, we're going to walk in here. We're going to take care of some
1: business. You know, it's going to be fine. And then all of a sudden they look up and they go, what the hell is going on right now? Because remember the week before that, they dismantled Michigan State, just absolutely dismantled Michigan State. And they said, all right, Michigan's a better version of that. We already did that. Problem solved. We're fine here. I just think that they were not prepared. And that was, I mean, we talk about kind of being a perfect storm sometimes. That was quite literally and metaphorically a perfect storm. Like... An hour before kickoff, yeah. it starts snowing. The kind of snows that you only get in kind of the upper Midwest, like the real thick flake <laughs> lake effect snow, and it just starts blowing <laughs> over Ann Arbor, and they're just like, oh, no. This is not conducive to a pass-happy option read offense. But it oh, was boy, beautiful we're to here.
0: watch. It, not a pass-happy offense. CJ Stroud, remind you, still went 34-49, of 49, 394 yards, and two touchdowns. Like, it wasn't like... He wasn't able to do anything at all. That was still happening. It's just like, go look at the box score for the amount of people that had carries for Michigan. Let's see. There's uh seven. Nope. Six, six different people rushed the ball uh, by Michigan. And it was just insanity. Haskins put up five touchdowns. Yeah. Cause Michigan, I guess finally pulled up their big boy pants and they go, well, this is what we do. And so we're just, we're just going to do that.
1: We're just going to run it right at you. Think about it. First drive, Michigan takes the ball, drives it right down their throat, scores a touchdown. Sets the tone. They get the ball back. Ohio State goes like, I think it's not, I don't think they go exactly three and out, but they go pretty quickly. They they kick the ball, punt the ball to Michigan. Michigan takes another drive, drives it right back down their throat and save for a Cade McNamara interception in the red zone. Michigan could have easily been up 14-0 at that point in time. And then you're talking about like, oh, now Jim Harbaugh is going to sit on you. Here's the thing. We have been underselling on this Michigan team for a long time because they have been dramatically underperforming, right? Well, like this is a to team this that game, should...
0: we never saw them perform in this game.
1: No, not at all. They, so, yeah. well, okay, we have we've seen them get very close before, right? Yeah, we've but... seen them because well, remember, there's been a couple of times, even in the Harbaugh era. Remember, they had the the fourth and. The fourth and inches? No, actually, it's first and ten. Ohio State, or you know, that yeah. there was that game, and that was in the horseshoe too. Mm-hmm. So it's like they come out, but Michigan just came out and they said, "This is this is it. This is our time. This is not as good of Ohio State teams we've had in the past, no matter what that record tells you." Again, the Big Ten is very top heavy. This was a league that really was at the top of it. Three, maybe four good teams, and the rest was actually a bunch of dumpster fire trash at the bottom like you found out we found out very quickly in this but we found out very quickly that the reality of this conference was michigan ohio state a pretty good unexpectedly good michigan state team and then what an iowa team that when they were plus 19 in turnover differential was good but then lost three straight a penn state team that made it all the way to third in the nation (laughs) and then lost five straight games like that was rough and a Maryland or Rutgers who started off a season well and were terrible, a Nebraska team that finished plus seven in point differential with a three and nine record. Like <laughs> it was a wildly underperforming conference that I think Ohio State was kind of feasting on to a large extent.
0: That Ohio were, State, but they were doing it in such a dominant way, regardless of who but their they opponents were. They were. really. Like, the
1: last within the, the last eye month they happened, The eye test was the last there. The eye test was You were watching them and, and you were going, "Who's better?" Who's better than they are? I don't care who they're playing. Who's better? That's the real question. Which, who is the real Ohio State here? Like at the end of the day, who is the real Ohio State team? Is it the team that beat, lost to Oregon, and the team that lost to Michigan, or the team that played the 11 weeks in between, or the 10 weeks in between those two games?
0: (laughs) It was all building. I think this was just a progression of Ohio State throughout the season, and these last like four weeks, just watching them, regardless of who they were facing, they were just executing in all aspects of football. And you're just going, that's a good looking team. But then Michigan came out here and decided to they look whooped better. that ass. They yeah. whooped
1: that ass. Yeah. And it that's was all there is like to you it. said,
0: there was that that there was that turnover and it was early. It was very early. But even at that point, that turnover right then, how Michigan would respond to that was I think really kind of like a turning point for what was gonna happen the rest of the game. Because it was an opportunity for mission to go up. So was were they just going to be completely deflated now that they were getting close to just being up 14 to nothing? Or were they going to respond by just going, oh, no, not again. And then, nope, didn't matter. They just went out there. They, I,
1: I want to say that different Ohio mentality, State. Just different mentality team than I've seen. I want to say that Ohio State goes, I don't think they go like three and out, but I think they punt that ball away. I don't think they turn that, that turnover into points. And then I think Michigan it was was a pretty quick one, yeah. Yeah. And so, like it was. Michigan straight up lined up and said, All right, man, we're just gonna whoop your ass. We're going to beat the hell out of you. Three plays, one yard.
0: Three plays, one yard, and then interception, twelve plays, sixty-four yards, and a field goal. Mm.
1: That's what it was. Okay, so there you go. There you go. that,
0: That was that was the moral victory I think Michigan needed to go. We can do this. We can play with these guys. Maybe break that own mental barrier that they've had probably existing for, what, a decade now? (laughs) Of like, are we ever going to win this game? Does it even matter who the coach is? It just seems like we're built to lose this one. But it lived up to the expectations that I think, at least that I had for this game. As soon as it started snowing, and I was just like, oh, God, this is going to be fun. And it just was three hours of fun. It was great to watch
1: what an absolutely great rivalry weekend by the way like oh. this is the best this to me is one of the best weekends in sports like the sports calendar annually thanksgiving weekend purely for college football like pro football i kind of like my god did we really have to watch the lions <laughs> and bears was the, what
0: should what not have been god, on tv
1: what you know what god hath we offended that the lions <laughs> and the bears were the noon kickoff on thanksgiving day i met my in-laws Watching, I like turn on the t v we had just gotten there, and it's like one o'clock. turn on the t v kind of <laughs> I had forgotten what the twelve o'clock game was, so I'm like, "Ah, it's Thanksgiving, we'll put on football, you know, I grabbed the remote, and they have the they have the Comcast remote. Did you just press the button and you just say like and I just went n f l football yep, and sure enough, it. it just is like pops right up Fox sports, lions or bears at Lions, and I'm like, you have got to be shitting me, really, really. Wow. really?
0: That's why I feel sorry for you on the East Coast, because over here in the mountain time, that was a 10 o'clock game, which is just like, eh, I'm grabbing a little bit of breakfast. I'm just kind of lounging around. I'm getting stuff ready for food. It's just football on for the sake of football. And it was barely football for for that amount of time. It was a
1: close game. I give them that. But it was not all three Thanksgiving games were bad. All three Thanksgiving games were bad. And then I come home and I put on the egg bowl. And I'm sitting, I'm happy as a clam watching Ole Miss and Mississippi State because it's like these are two teams that are just like kind of hate each other and really don't particularly care for one another. And Lane Kiffin's on the sideline putting on a show. And then Friday night, you just kind of keep rolling through games. I put on the, I'm. we're having friends over on Saturday, so I'm getting food ready and I'm cleaning the house and I'm putting things together. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to put on the Apple Cup. I'm going to watch Washington <laughs> and Washington state because I want to see what two teams without coaches look like, like, but it was a good football game still. Right. Well, don't, don't and then you worry get Saturday.
0: Because the, the Cowboys Raiders game was the most watched NFL regular season game on any network since 1990. Oh, for God's sake.
1: <laughs> what a, what a rock, what a dumb rock fight that game was too.
0: It was ugly. It was we, ugly, but it, at least it was a close game. It wasn't the Lions Bears that the had Lions no ramifications. A close game too.
1: Who would it it no a shit if It's close. It had no
0: impact on anything.
1: Oh god, it was so oh. bad. All three of those games were terrible football games. It was just like <laughs> again, it's the Thursday game only made exponentially worse because well, you're going to put three of them on. For God's sake, we are always stuck with the same two teams, irrespective of whether or not they are any good. Yep. You're welcome.
0: Ugh. You're welcome. All right, but another one of the other college games we have to call out. Because it it just it shocked me in every sense. Every like when I first started watching it, which I think was part of the way through the second quarter, is that Auburn Alabama game.
1: <laughs> the Iron Again, the Iron Bowl, me, man.
0: Scratching my head like the the entire game going, what the hell is going on with Bama?
1: Like, Auburn's on like their third string quarterback in this game too, mind you. Yeah, Bo Nix yeah. is out. The the number showing two, Bo Nix
0: on the sideline like he's not playing.
1: Like, and the quarterback who him. is playing, the quarterback who is playing, mind you, like sprains his ankle ten minutes into the game and is basically playing this entire game on one ankle. Yeah. And yeah, Auburn just said we're in Jordan Hair. We're going. Everything's on our side. We we have nothing to lose in this game. We're kind of a mediocre team this season. Don't we have nothing to lose? We want to beat Alabama. That's the only thing we want to do this season is beat Alabama. Again, this is the stuff that you can't. Why I think that Thanksgiving weekend is the best weekend for sports, period, is because <laughs> it, remember, it was not Auburn is not particularly good this season. No. but if they beat Alabama, their season's made. If okay, Mississippi State had beat Ole Miss, they cause that's, a whole that's the best ruckus.
0: Well, and then we had also down south, Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State.
1: Bedlam, baby! Bedlam (laughs) is so stupid. Ready? Okay, Tino, are you ready for this? I made the joke. I made the joke last week, right? Where I said, Bedlam is Bedlam in name only, right? Well. I said, Bedlam is Bedlam in name only because sometimes Oklahoma wins by a lot. Sometimes Oklahoma wins by a little. Sometimes Oklahoma wins by a medium amount. But that's it. (laughs) Do you know they have met... 116 times. So these two teams have played 116 times. Uh, They have played, their first meeting was in 1904, uh, and then they have played, I believe, almost every year since 1910. Right? (laughs) So there's 116 meetings. Do you know what the all-time record in this series is? Oh, it's got to be something awful.
0: It's got to be I don't know. 80 or 90 on the Oklahoma side, at
1: least. 90 to 19 and (laughs) seven ties. This is Bedlam (laughs) and Able. Seven ties. Mike Mike (laughs) Gundy has been the coach of Oklahoma State for like 14 years now. He has exactly three wins over Oklahoma. He's like three and 12 or something like that in total games versus Oklahoma. Oh, that's a man right there. But it there. was bedlam this time in <laughs> actual practice because it was the most bonkers game I've ever seen in a long time. It was
0: entertaining as hell. Like, just I, I have no love like for either three, team.
1: Three so. muffed punts. It was ridiculous. <laughs> like, three muffed punts. It's like a safety. It's dramatic lead changes. I thought, by the way, in the last minute, Oklahoma gets the ball back. Mm -hmm. At one point in time, Caleb Williams drops back, looks, 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 and just goes, oh, okay, I'll just run it. And he's on, like, his own 35-yard line, and he just starts running, and I'm like, there's nobody else in the picture. (laughs) This guy's going to run for a touchdown and win this game. And then, like, one Oklahoma State player comes and makes, like, a touchdown-saving tackle, and that wins the game. And Oklahoma has, like, three of these, like, touchdown-saving plays on the last drive to make sure they win this game.
0: It was, it was nuts. It lived up to the name. It was fantastic. I mean, between we got Michigan versus Ohio State, that game was fantastic. Then we got this crazy Bama versus Auburn game that had to take it into four overtimes. It's the only way that Bama was going to win. That at some point, like the third string quarterback who's like dragging his leg around, yeah, was probably not going going to make it through like when you have to depend on the offense. And then we have this Oklahoma versus Oklahoma state game that is just wild and bonkers. And like you said, like there's muff punts, there's, there's points in the game when you're just like, is there, is there an Oklahoma state player on the field there to tackle him at some point? And, and they all All ended in spectacular
1: fashion. I loved it. It was all the best little stuff too, about this weekend too, because like Florida, Florida state cracks me up because it's two, five and six teams. And the winner becomes bowl eligible. Tino, the game ends, I believe, 27-24, (laughs) 24-21, something like that. Florida State scores, comes ready to do the onside kick. Kicker runs up. What happens? The ball begins to fall off the tee, and the (laughs) kicker just swings and misses entirely. Completely (laughs) misses the football and falls flat on his ass trying to onside this kick. Florida players run up. Jump on the ball, Florida ball, game over. What a stupid I love it. I love Rivalry weekend so much. Florida man in college
0: football. We love (laughs) it. I
1: love I love it.
0: Oh, and the close game between Penn State and Michigan State.
1: (laughs) With by the way, the single ugliest rivalry trophy in (laughs) the entire history of rivalry trophies.
0: I just kept seeing the ticker kind of come through for that game because I wasn't gonna watch it. I mean Penn State doesn't matter to me.
1: Michigan State. There was two games on. Uh, T- Tino, Tino, Coach, I'll go out with the win. Coach, i going to go out with the win, and he going <laughs> to beat them Texas A.M. Aggies. Oh, God.
0: Oh, that was one of those other games that just left me scratching my head. I was like, but okay, of course, hold on, hold on, hold but of on. course hold that's on. the way that they're going to end it. Like, why wouldn't hold on, you? Because
1: this is a perfect transition to what, what obviously has to come next now. Jimbo Fisher, the $95 million man, the most sought-after college football coach in the entire country. Apparently. He's like painfully mediocre in the SEC. It's like finishes like fourth in the SEC West or something this year. And then Tino. Sunday morning, we wake up to what announcement?
0: Oh goodness, LSU has found their coach.
1: No, 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 you're, no, you're no, jumping ahead today. That was I'm Looked jumping ahead. Of That's right. That's right. Wasn't we Lincoln wake Riley? Up We wake up to Brett McMurphy from ESPN saying, Lincoln Riley is leaving Oklahoma to go to USC. I'll
0: give that. That deserves a clap for USC for figuring it it out, for figuring it out, finally going, you know what? Not only did we go after the big name, we we went after the big name that while people were talking about it, it wasn't widely publicized. It was just like Lincoln Riley's going to USC. And
1: it's like, wait, what? What's happening? Wait, what? What? Yeah.
0: yeah. I, was, I, I opened my phone up in the morning. I was still <laughs> laying in bed, and it's like that news is coming through, and I'm like, oh, my God. Br- one, two, two things here. Brilliant move by USC. Absolutely brilliant. To get this done without it leaking ahead of time, right? M- great job. Just great oh, job. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Num- number two. Applause to Lincoln Riley, reading the room, going, you're going to send me and my OU team, OU team, who's very good uh, and great, really, for the Big 12, and in the Big 12 space, but you're going to send us over to the SEC, and now I've got to compete with some juggernauts, or you're offering me to go to the Pac-12, live in L.A., rub shoulders with USC people, and I can, in a division that I can win, and, a, and more importantly, again, un, yeah, I mean, within that California that recruiting market. That if, oh my if God. If you
1: can go to USC, you can win at USC. You, mm-hmm. anybody, you can win everything at USC. They have won national championships in our lifetime. Like, yeah. this is a really great program. The fact that, like I said, all of this happens under the cover of night. That I love, by the way, in the, in the press conference afterwards, they, Lincoln Riley, after after Bedlam, game's over, <laughs> yeah. he's doing the whole like post-game press conference and stuff sitting there, and somebody's like, you know, one of the reporters is like, listen, Lincoln, I have to ask you about it, you know, there's been a lot, have you heard anything about LSU or anything like that, and he goes, hang on, hang on, hang on, I'm going to stop you right there, I am not going to be the head coach of LSU, and it's like, no, because you're going to USC
0: because <laughs> tomorrow he's got a, he's got to jump on a private jet and head out to, to a LA, Los Angeles. you know, and kick I off think, that okay, whole so thing.
1: Whew. Here's the real question. Like I said, I think Oklahoma is going to be fine because outside of like two years in the last 50 or whatever, Oklahoma always has more or less gotten their guy. They've maintained a high level of play. I mean, mm-hmm. again, Tino, sorry, this ain't Texas. They're not, fire- <laughs> not going to find a bad coach. I just think that this team knows what they want. They know what they want to find out. Oklahoma is far more stable than Texas with oh, just as much yeah. money. Leaps now, here's down. the real question. Lincoln Riley looks around. You're absolutely right. He looks around the scene and says, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Mm-hmm. I am more or less guaranteed a playoff spot right now in the Big 12. All I have to do is win out of this conference that is admittedly not that strong, has some minnows, has a couple of bigger fish. If I can get past the Red River game, if I can get past Bedlam, which are the two hardest games of my schedule almost every year, if yeah. I can avoid a landmine in Morgantown or Lubbock <laughs> or Waco, I'll be fine. Yeah, I'll be fine, and I'm going to get to the playoff. And Oklahoma's been to five playoffs or something like that, right? Yeah. Absolutely. It's, absolutely. it's practically a fait accompli. All you need to do is win these games and you get to the playoff. And you got to tell me I'm going to go into a conference that has, first off, my arch rivals coming with me. So now I got to deal with whatever nonsense Texas is going to do. But on top of it, then I have to deal with LSU and Alabama and Mm -hmm. Auburn and Florida and Georgia. And, oh, God, no. I think here's what I think at the end of the day. I think Oklahoma and Texas are going to rue the day. They're going to like, they're going to cry themselves to sleep on their gigantic piles of money at night. But when people in Norman, Oklahoma look up at that record and it's nine and three and it's Every eight and four, Every and they're going to be sitting there saying we're 21st in the country right now, man, you guys ran the big eight. You ran the big eight. Like there were times mm-hmm. when it was the, the big, it was the big one in the little seven. Or what did they call it? Oklahoma and the seven dwarves or something like that, right? <laughs> and then for a yep. while, even when Nebraska was good, it was still the big two in the six dwarves. Uh, yeah. You ran the big eight for years. You ran the big 12. Now you mean to tell me you're going to be happy going nine and three, going eight and no. four? My God, Tino, Texas just finished its season five and seven. Bruh, are people in Austin prepared for a three and nine season?
0: Oh, no. do you understand how many coaches that Texas is about to go through in the first eight to 10 years of being in the sec scratching their heads going, what the hell's going on? Why are we losing so many games? It's like, well, because now you're in that recruiting space, but guess what? Everyone else in that sec has already been in that Texas recruiting space. Now they're just going to be there even more. So good luck to you.
1: Recruits. Now they can say to recruits, hey, if we're not in Austin, we're going to be down the road in College Station. So you want to come play for us because at least once a year, you're going to get in play in front of mom and dad. And if you're not going to play in front of mom and dad in College Station or or uh, Austin, heck, we'll be up in Norman or we're going to be over in Fayetteville or we'll be down in Baton Rouge. That's not that far from mom and dad. It's a couple hour drive for them. They'll make it. These, these two schools are going to go from big fish in a very small pond to big fish in the ocean. And yeah. I and I think yeah. Lincoln Riley, I think Lincoln Riley read the writing on the wall, said, Man alive, I lost two years, I lost two times well, he, this he, year. He read it. he read a I'm big
0: number on a check though, too. So I mean he's, he's oh, with the check and going. Don't get me wrong, yeah, USC broke great. out the checkbook.
1: By all accounts, it's a hundred million dollar contract, right? Yep. It's huge. USC absolutely bro- broke out the contract for this. The fact again that USC's AD was able to do all of like nobody Nobody had this in advance. And everyone's like, oh, Lincoln and That's what LSU makes or, me really blah, blah. worried
0: for the rest of the Pac 12, right? Because this stuff normally leaks, which if you're able to keep this kind of thing buttoned up, heading up all the way up until it is announced where everyone's going, whoa, you know, wasn't quite expecting that. I think that means that's that's a signal for me for a good organization. That means they've made some changes, they've figured, they've started to figure some of this out, and now they've got the right person in the room and on the field to lead this through cool boy in a pac 12 conference like don't california is a market of phenomenal football players and now you just got the biggest name as a head coach walking into your living room guess what's going to happen to good old usc we've already started to see it uh, as far as recruits saying you know what
1: uh the top maybe i'm gonna hold and, and it's just it's one of those things that's so kind of almost ridiculously happenstance that Lincoln Riley, just by kind of almost, I don't want to say by accident, because he's just going where the talent is. But right now, so look at this. I want, you to, I want to draw your attention to this right now. Oklahoma right now, according to 247, is the number 11 recruiting class in the country. Yep. Their number, where is he? Number two, number three. Where did he go? I'm going to laugh if they literally already pulled him off of the, the Oklahoma list.
0: Oh, it's probably but already pulled. Like, it was happening as of Monday three, and Tuesday.
1: All the top, like, two or three players from this class were all from Southern California.
0: Yeah. And and it was like, there was like a running back, there was a quarterback, and I think there was a wide receiver. Or no, Do one you know, of them I'm was an even, athlete. One of them was like an
1: athlete. I'm not even joking right now. I just checked this like 10 minutes ago.
0: <laughs> I'm telling you.
1: And I it, it had one of the three kids left on it. I'm looking at it right now and he's already been pulled off of it.
0: Yeah. This this is the impact that all these coaching changes that are that are, that are going to have an effect on. And we got to we got to talk through all of it because also Notre Dame loses
1: theirs, you know, their their coach. Okay, think about this. The closest we have ever impact, really seen, and it's just like this the, is the closest we have ever seen to what is going on right now with these with these four teams. People have been thinking all weekend long. Have we ever seen in the history of college football a coach go from a true blue blood program to another blue blood program overnight like this? <laughs> and they said the closest that we have probably gotten is this has happened maybe a couple of times. They said one time, you know, it's Jimbo going from Florida state to a and M, right? Yeah. But that you've cut Florida state, but again, maybe not the true, true, true blue bloods here. And then yeah. everyone's like, otherwise everyone's like scratching their head. And then somebody like I was listening to, I was listening. I can't remember what podcast I was listening to podcasts. And somebody just goes, I don't know, man, Johnny majors mm-hmm. wins a national championship <laughs> at pit and goes to Tennessee. Like a week later, the, People, this has never happened. You do not see coaches go from these blue blood programs to leave to go to other blue blood programs. That just no. doesn't happen. And we saw no. it happen twice in the span of two days.
0: Yeah. We, so we had this one. So we had, we had Lincoln Riley obviously going to USC. Again, great hire. Then we had the other big news. Brian Kelly heading down to LSU.
1: The, uh, I don't get this. I don't get this at all. What a weird, weird, weird fit. Like, I mean, LSU is, yeah, okay. They are, Louisiana is a Catholic place, right? There's, they- there's Catholics in Louisiana, but like Brian Kelly was the guy that, he was an Irish Catholic kid from the Midwest. This guy grew up with Notre Dame in his veins. That was the place. But here's, the, here's what it is. Unlike Lincoln Riley, who saw the writing on the wall and realized that he can't win a national championship at Oklahoma, so he's got to go to a program where he can. I think Brian Kelly looked at it and said, this is my dream job, but I have maxed this program out. I I said last year. Exactly.
0: And that's that's what happened.
1: People were not happy that Notre Dame was in the playoff last year. And I said, listen, guys, Notre Dame deserves that place. They deserve the fourth place last year. They are the fourth best team in the country. It just so happens that numbers one, two, and three are stratospherically better than them. Oh. Notre Dame is the best of the rest, and that is Notre Dame's peak right now. Like I can't envision a they way they can either
0: squeak in, or they're going to be left on the outside looking in. Like, and they're going to go never, to
1: the Orange Bowl, or and whatever. and it's never
0: going to be a definitive one for them being independent, not being a part of one of those conferences. Also, along. You know, coupled with the fact that they have academic considerations that are obviously higher than some of their counterparts, all limiting factors. On top of the fact that when they slid him that offer and the amount of zeros that were attached to it, both in term and in money, hard to say no. He didn't even give Notre Dame a chance to respond because he knew, to your point... They couldn't afford it. One, they couldn't afford him, and if they did... He was going to be stuck exactly where he is at right now, wondering if he gets in, wondering if they don't get in. And that's if they have a good year. And he still has to compete with all the other schools up there trying to get you to convince people, hey, I need you to come to Notre Dame. Also, by the way, you're going to be held to a higher standard. Also, by the way, you're probably not going to be. You need to academically qualify playoffs. for Notre Dame first. Yeah. And say, oh, by the way, you know, yeah, you're going to be on every week, but at the same time, you, may, you you don't really have as good of a chance to win a championship
1: that's a tough in, in a those are tough too. selling points as a recruiter and more importantly Come on. like i said this is it's a very much a thing that you hear you hear soccer teams talk about this a lot too where it's the weight of the jersey <laughs> people talk about it all the time like oh the weight of the jersey drags these players down the weight of that helmet mm-hmm. drags these guys down you cannot go i mean if you've never been to notre dame's campus by the way tino it's it's gorgeous. It's a beautiful campus. It's a beautiful thing. But it is just soaked in tradition, right? You cannot walk around that stadium. I mean, in the way that only a handful of schools really and truly are. Again, we're talking about these blue blood teams. We're talking about teams that are just steeped in tradition. But Notre Dame, you just... Mm. You can walk through this place in a place that like, again, I've never been to Tuscaloosa in a way that I can only imagine it feels (laughs) in a place like Tuscaloosa, right? Where it's just (laughs) like you are dragged down by the weight of expectations at Notre Dame that everybody is waiting to turn around and say Notre Dame has been involved in five games of the century. This is a team that dominated college football in the 20s and dominated in the 50s and dominated in the 70s and won national championships. And you have to do that but yeah, regardless you're not going into the most talent rich areas anymore and when no. you do go into talent rich areas you're recruiting not just against the big 10 teams around you or the ACC teams around you you're now recruiting against everybody and it's when and you it's go a to a kid's tough line, the kid that you can have a five star player in gary indiana you know 35 minutes down the road from south bend and guess what you're going to walk into their living room and Kirby Smart's going to be right behind you and Nick Saban's <laughs> going to be right behind you and Ryan Day's going to be right behind you. Like and you are now fourth in line. Well, and you're not. And you need to tell this kid more importantly, hey, I hate to ask, how are your grades? And mm-hmm. if that kid starts his answer with well my GPA is 2, okay, thanks, but sorry, we're done here. Yeah. Like, it's, it's his his Notre whole world Day, has, he has to gotten Notre Dame, if if and this is uh, Big if, if the next coach can bring in the one thing that Brian Kelly never really got, which is a top, top, top tier quarterback. Yep. Maybe they win.
0: And so in that same vein, who's next at Notre Dame? I think, I think we have a repeat of history here. Brian Kelly came from where?
1: Cincinnati,
0: and who is uh, currently the coach in Cincinnati? That could did be. I not,
1: what did I say? I, I you, said Luke. You said would it. leave Cincinnati for one of two jobs, buddy. This is one of them jobs.
0: This. this okay, is now here's job.
1: the Okay, ready, Tino. But, but going to be ready?
0: soured on this. So I'm, I'm just hold I'd on. Throw it out it's there. It's gonna get
1: it's gonna get even crazier because ready for this little little rumor floating around the college football world. The Bears are ready to part ways with Nagy. Nagy, 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 whatever his name is. Nagy.
0: We'll call him Nagy, Nagy from now
1: on. Nagy, let's say <laughs> Nagy, whatever. They're about to, they're, they're, The Bears are getting ready to part ways with their head football coach. Do you know who they are kicking the tires on? Supposedly, according to college football no. insiders. Fickle?
0: Mm-mm. Okay. Who are they kicking the tires on then?
1: Well, I said Luke Fickle, Dino, you know, would leave Cincinnati for one of two jobs. One of those jobs is now open. The other job, well, what if the Bears hire Ryan Day? Ooh. If you're Luke would Fickle... Would Ryan Day
0: leave Ohio State? That's, that's, a big, that's, that's a big okay if. That's it's a big spur your if. It's the Spurrier
1: question. It's the Spurrier question, right? All of these guys are convinced... At least on some level, of the greatest call the, the the greatest football coach that has ever existed, right? Steve Spurrier won at Florida again. He made Florida yeah. matter in a way that Florida had never mattered. Florida, before Spurrier was a nothing program. But Spurrier brings Florida up, makes them the best team in the country, consistently wins all of this kind of stuff, and then decides I can do this in the NFL and I hey man, I'm gonna go to Washington. I'm going to go to Washington. I'm going to coach up them, them Washington boys. That's what right, so we're going to do. All right. All right. All right, all right. Y'all Like us? I'm going to go up to Washington. It's going to be a good time. Spurrier goes up to Washington and fails. Saban goes to Miami and fails. Like within all of these guys is the ability to say, like, I'm a great football coach. I'm one of the best football coaches. I can just go coach an NFL team and win a Super Bowl. And that's a bigger deal to some of these guys. Now, is it a bigger deal to Ryan Day? I mean, I don't know. Who knows? The quality of life, make no mistake, is much better. (laughs) I'd rather deal a hundred times out of a hundred times with an aging, washed up quarterback who's making a hundred million dollars or whatever than I would trying to convince an 18 year old to come to my school.
0: I don't know. I think it's a mixed bag, right? It it depends on what your strengths and weaknesses are. And if you're if you're self-aware enough to know of them. And so I think I think we're going to find out real quick because college football is set up for this exact mayhem to happen with the early signing period these coaches have to move and they have to move right now. So, if Notre Dame is going to make a play, they have to make it right now cuz they got to get top flight recruits in the door and that only happens during the early signing period. Like that's that's just what has to happen here. So we're going to find out real quick if Notre Dame's putting their eggs in a long-term basket or not, but also what coaches like Fickle and like Day are going to do. Because if someone were to call and you're going to move into another head coaching job in college, it's happening right now. If you're the, going to kick the tires on an NFL job, you're going to wait. You're going to, you're going yeah. to get through the postseason. But this has a potential ramifications to the, to the playoffs if, as well. Because if, if Fickle decides Ryan... to leave for Notre Dame – and you're the college football playoff committee. You're looking at Cincy going, <laughs> I don't know anymore. And I mean, it, It's already had an impact on Notre
1: Dame. So. Yesterday, the, the college football committee just said yesterday, yeah, we're taking coaching leaves into a fa- into account. Like that was a very pointed point it's, at Notre Dame to say oh, like, yeah. yeah, we're probably leaving on the outside just so you know.
0: Which is really shitty for the players, right? Because like, oh, like we absolutely. said, there, there was a number of things that had to happen for them to be considered – but I still think they can do it.
1: I still think they can do it too.
0: I, I still think they can as well. They still need some things to happen, but yeah, that's definitely gonna play a factor. But back to the point we talked about weeks ago. Some things you think, but you don't say. So just throwing it out there. Now we have now what what jobs do we have open? We have OU, we have Notre Dame. Probably gonna have <laughs> I'm thinking Cincy in there at some point. But <laughs>
1: Either you're going to promote, know. you're either going to promote Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame, or Luke Fickle's going to move over to Notre Dame, and Freeman's going to move down to Cincinnati, or God help us, the Bears finally do decide that whatever, we're going to get rid of uh, Mike Nagy, we're going to go get Ryan Day, and now <laughs> can you imagine the craziness? By the way, because all these other programs, oh, Washington State promotes from within, mm-hmm. uh, Washington goes and gets Fresno's coach, USC closes, Billy Napier finally gets out of Lafayette, and he gets yep. to go to Florida. Like, all of these big coaches, Virginia Tech goes in and get. By the way, I think Virginia Tech makes a really astute hire. That's kind of a Bud Foster-esque kind of guy. Penn State's defense has actually been pretty good the last couple of years, and I think it's a really smart hire by Virginia Tech. Like... If he can be a head coach, that's always But the I think we're still looking like... Miami's going to hire... When Miami hires a new AD, I think this, the clock officially starts on Manny. So mm-hmm. what if Miami opens? What if... Notre Dame continues to be open. I mean, these I can't recall a season in which so many major jobs opened all all really within a few weeks of each other. I
0: I think there's still more to come. I think we can see Matt Campbell move. He may make the move over to OU. That's still a possibility, um, which would open up, I mean, obviously not the same level of job, but we're still talking about cannibalization between head coaches as opposed to mm-hmm. it just being new candidates coming in, someone who's been taking a year off finally again, steps back into the, in the limelight. Another, huge, another just, huge
1: wild card. is This is, is Nebraska tired of Scott Frost?
0: Oh, absolutely. It, they should have done this a week ago if they would have seen all this coming. But even knowing with what jobs were on the market, you should have just said th- they should have done the LSU thing, the LSU and Edo thing going, Hey, at the end of the season, we're parting ways. You know, no hard feelings, but we're we're going a different direction. Yeah. That would have put them in better position instead of now. Some of these other coaches that they probably had a
1: shot at, maybe had a shot at, they're going to have to wait. They're going to have to wait and see. And and the other one, too, is that I think a lot of coaches are kind of realizing that they are better where they are. Like I said, you might hit a point where it's, yeah, you know, where a guy like a Dave Aranda might say, I'm going to be more successful at Baylor. I can win more at Baylor, right? Yeah, yeah. You might get, you might get a, Dave Klaassen has already said, man, like, ah, nobody's going to give me the time and the patience that Wake Forest has given me, and every once in a blue moon, I'm going to sneak into the ACC championship game. You know, I'm playing for a conference title this weekend. I I am just going to stay here. I'm going to stay in Wake Forest. Come on. I'm going to be 10-2. I'm, go I'm going to go play for an ACC championship game this weekend. Like, so I think the coaches that aren't moving are almost as fascinating as the coaches that are moving. Because I think a lot of these coaches are looking around and saying like, man, there might be more money in these places. But God, do I not want to deal with all the nonsense on the outside of it?
0: Well, and there, there's a lot of expectations, right? So you just touched on it. You stay at Wake Forest. You kind of compete for an ACC. You know, yeah, you're 10-2. and two. You're doing great. You know, you're nine and three. Mm-hmm. You're still doing great. That's that's better than what they probably would expect on a on a year in year out basis, as opposed to going to a big program where you, you know what? It's it's college football playoffs. It's not just conference championships. It's not just relevancy. It is yep top place. You need to be number one. Sure is. So,
1: and you have and you to have them. to win. You yep. have to win. I don't know, man. I do. This is this is just. This is just College football has exciting. become I have been reasonably watching college you know I wouldn't say religiously but religiously watching college football in the last <laughs> few to, years yeah. and at least following college football with a pretty close eye since college right? Yeah. So in almost 20 years now of following college football reasonably close yeah. I don't ever remember this much movement.
0: No, agreed. This this has been one of the wildest college football seasons in regards to to coaching that I've seen. Like we haven't seen the same play out on the field probably at the same time, you know, as we have in years past where the dominant teams are just running through people, but you have like three or four of them, but... This makes it exciting. This makes me intrigued for what's going to happen over the next two and three years and really how this recruiting class and next year's recruiting class starts to change that landscape of college football. Because again, now with Lincoln Riley in California, that means California players are more than likely going to stay. That's also relevancy for the rest of the Pac-12. So players that were considering going to Oregon, going to UCLA, going to Stanford, going to those areas... I think even that increases. Those are those trickle-down effects that you start to see from someone coming in, such as a Lincoln Riley, which also means those players are not going to the SEC anymore. It's not Florida. It's not Georgia. It's not Bama. They're staying in state.
1: There's no world before Clay Helton where Tua Tagovailoa makes it any further than the West Coast. No,
0: no. Like, that guy is from
1: Hawaii, for God's sake. Like, there's no world in which he makes it further than that. So when you look at this— Yep. This might really be like, you see this once, maybe a decade, once every 20 years in college football, the teams that are up, they don't stay up forever. My God, Tino, can you imagine what is going to happen in two years, three years, how many ever when Nick Saban decides he's done, Mm -hmm. that is going to be a seismic shift in college football. It's going to blow the doors
0: wide open for every other program within, what, 3,000 miles?
1: <laughs> the the entire country? Yeah, basically. Yeah.
0: You know, so, like, it's just a matter of how that plays out and how quickly. But I think this recruiting class is going to tell us, one, how that's already starting to shift with the recruits that are going, I'm going to pump the brakes on my previous uh, commitment because, you know, we've got some new coaches in play, and if they want to come get me, I want to be available. And so... I think that can make out for USC being a very good football team very, very quickly. Not just because of the division and not just competing within their division, but competing back for playoff spots. So, whew. All right, but um, I, got, I got to get your thoughts on, on one more thing, and that is, that is college football playoff rankings. So, hmm. considering who has moved so far and what potential moves may be coming... Give me your top four.
1: All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna reach into the crystal ball a little bit here, right? And here's what I'm gonna tell you. In the relevant championship game. So, you know, we're gonna really talk about the SEC championship game, the Big Ten championship game, yep. American, Big 12. Man, <laughs> I, I would have said Alabama could have given Georgia a game, but not after that. Like after that Iron Bowl, I'm just looking at it going, nope. Even yeah, even I'm if gonna they have to d- think Georgia. Yeah, I'm gonna take so, and there's no way they put a two-loss Alabama team, nope, who's not a conference champion into the playoff. So they, they needed to wipe
0: the floor with Auburn, and they didn't.
1: Yeah, so I think Alabama is out. Georgia is your number one. My God, if that same Michigan team shows up and just trounces <laughs> Iowa. A, a not a worse. I, again, Iowa got through a lot of this year on a little bit of smoke and mirrors. They made it all the way up to number two when they were again, like almost plus 20 in turnover differential. Now that they are not womp, womp, womp.
0: Yep. And I don't think that Michigan team at this point is going to be giving up, uh, given up any free plays, any free, any free, uh, points there. I mean, they're going to, I think Michigan walks into that game and just does what they did to Ohio state. Just on another level. Just goes. I dare you to stop us.
1: Mm-hmm. I just and dare. so I think that Michigan I think Michigan wins out. I think Michigan takes the number two. I tell you what, the one that is making me like, oh boy, this is actually a really good Houston team. They have not lost since Labor Day. They lost the first week of the season Houston. and ripped off 11 straight wins. <sighs> They're going to get at Desmond Ritter, right? And so I think this is going to be, this is easily the you single biggest Cincinnati. challenge. No, 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 I say Houston is going to oh. get at Desmond Ritter. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I still mm. think Cincinnati wins this game. Yep. But I am not going to be shocked if Dana Holgerson is walking away with an AAC championship. Hmm. So I'll give it to Cincinnati now. I'm going to keep Cincinnati in the number three spot for right now.
0: This is the big question. Number four. I, I'm with you top three. Georgia, Michigan, Cincy but everything happened their way. You know, they, this is what they needed to happen. So yes, since he's up there, but the number four spot, I think you, I think you've got a couple options. I don't think it's Bama like we talked about. Nope. But what I think, I don't think it's Ohio state. Um, I think they're out of it.
1: You know, Ohio and everyone State's else, out of it. again, two lost teams, same thing.
0: Yep. And and the rest of the way down really in that top half is going to be two lost, teams which, two lost you, teams, which leaves you two teams and you're either putting Oklahoma state in there or Notre Dame in there? Who are you going to put? <laughs> this is the tough one. Notre Dame just lost their head coach, but you can't fault that against them too much because of what they've done on the field. All right, here's but how it goes. Po- the committee's already done it. Who would you put in? And who then would who I you- put
1: in? So if you're giving me all the opportunity you want, and I'm saying, okay, let me ask you this question. What happens in the Big 12 title game? OSU, Oklahoma State. Then Oklahoma State gets it. Wow. Notre Dame goes to five. Notre Dame gets to the fifth. They get the honorary, you know, they get the Texas A&M spot of last year. Hey, you were good, just not good enough. Oklahoma, Uh, if uh, Oklahoma State wins the Big 12 title game, they get the fourth spot. But but? if Baylor beats them, Notre Dame is absolutely your number four. Oh, yeah, but at, at the same
0: time, though, I mean, you're still talking about a Notre Dame team. Key wins over their key wins. What are our biggest ones? are Wisconsin and probably North Carolina, Cincinnati's is over Notre Dame, who's considered, and then SMU, but then Oklahoma State all in this mix.
1: Ugh, Jesus. No, I, I just think, mm. I think that's what it is at the end of the day. That if Oklahoma State wins if it's close. in the Big 12, what if it's close? What if it's a even close if it's game close. they win? Even if it's close. Mm. The, the committee loves that, what they call the 13th data point, right? So they love that 13th point. So I think that, yeah, I think that even if it's a close game, even if it goes to overtime, I still think Oklahoma State keeps the four.
0: Man, I, there is a lot of pressure on Cincinnati right now. What happens with their head coach? Um, they're undefeated. They're going to get a playoff spot. But, man, if they lose, it, it almost may be beneficial going forward if Cincinnati loses its head coach and still makes it to the playoffs because then I think it becomes a little less relevant if they get just get trounced, right, by whoever they, do, they end up facing. I think this almost provides a little glimpse of hope going forward for those Cincinnati-type teams that if Luke Fickle leaves and they get trounced, it's not entirely on the Cincinnati program, they lost their head coach, so on and so forth. So... I don't know if he's leaving. I figured we would have heard something by now, uh, if that was the case. So that is a big, big, big question. Heck, that can change by the time this podcast is released. I, I'm just probably. throwing out, I mean, who know, knows? Like, I'm just throwing it I, out there at this point. But
1: I think that even even with everything, even with everything that's going on, if Oklahoma State loses, I still think you have to give it to Notre Dame. That's if it. Oklahoma State I, I tell loses. You, I'm yes. saying right now, Yes. I'm saying right now Oklahoma State's in the driver's seat. If Oklahoma State wins, they get the number four. If Oklahoma State loses, they don't. Now, the real interesting question, Tino, is what if you get instead a Georgia-Iowa-Houston-Baylor win?
0: Ooh. Georgia keeps that number one. Like true chaos would just ensue true at that point. True
1: chaos. Time. Oh like, yeah.
0: Everyone is a two-loss team outside yep. of Georgia.
1: Outside of Georgia, Georgia's undefeated. They'd go thirteen and zero SEC champions. But then from there, you'd have eleven and two Michigan, eleven or twelve and one Cincinnati. You'd have eleven and two Alabama, eleven and two Oklahoma State, eleven and one Notre Dame. In that instance, by the way, Notre Dame absolutely makes playoff.
0: I think. I think you look at like Georgia, Cincy, Notre Dame, and then. And then like <laughs> the right Ohio there, because here's the real State, problem. I... Like I, that's the question. Like,
1: do you put, do you put, that would be complete chaos. Oh, but it'd be incredible though, because there's no way. Cause think about it. There's no way you're jumping Iowa from 15th into the playoff. No, nope. even a, even a 12 and one Houston Houston's all the way back at 16. You're not going to jump them all the way into the playoff. And so from there, you're looking around and you're saying, <laughs> well, anybody past that's not a conference champion. Baylor at 11-2, and two, they're ninth right now. <laughs> I mean, maybe. And then after that, you're looking at the Pac-12 title game, and you're saying, okay, if Oregon oh, no. wins, do you maybe try <laughs> to think about Oregon? No. And then you're looking at, like, okay, well, maybe Utah, but Utah's a three-loss team. Yeah. And then no after that, Utah. you're like, Ohio at 15, and then your next option, if you were looking purely for conference champions is the winner of the ACC championship game with which, Pitt and I, Wake Forest who are stacked right on top of each other.
0: Which, why not at that point? You put Georgia in. You put Cincy in. You put Notre Dame in. Screw it. Put Pitt in there. Just put, pure, pure put chaos all the way in. Pitt in. <laughs> it's the, it's right, never, the thing that it's I will never, say forever. Put Never going to happen. In. Never say never, but it's never going to happen. Not this year. so uh, That's so sad
1: oh so sad
0: man college football this year this this coaching all these changes all the impacts that it's going to have and the things that we're going to talk about over the next
1: year it's been a great season it's been such a fun season though like this is such a great season of college football like it's fun because like last season even with all the craziness and stuff and everybody kind of like uh should we even been doing this it was still super chalky you still had Ohio State, you still had Alabama, you still had Clemson, you still had Oklahoma. Like, uh, okay, guys, we, cool, we've done this before. <laughs> but it's like, oh, okay, now we're getting, you know, we might have three teams who've never been to the playoff before. And the team that has been there before has only been there once.
0: Hey, I'm all for it. I'm here Let's for it. Let's do it. it. I'm, Let's I'm do ready. It. <laughs> Good luck to the College Football Playoff Committee or whatever that group is called. I, I don't understand it at times, but ah,
1: good luck. That's tough. Yeah, Yeah, right.
0: It's it's just it's just going to be tough. All right, we got to pop back over to to NFL talk real quick because one, we got some we got some picks to make. We'll do that right at the end. Um, Like you said, this has been an odd season for NFL football. All sorts of assery, right? And and me and you were talking about this before. Yes, it's been. A That's weird, messed so up rassy. season. Good teams losing to bad teams. Bad teams stealing wins in these other places. I get it, but in the end, I have to say I like it because there's every, no every week I'm I'm just questioning what are, what bills what version of the bills are we going to get this week? What version of the Chiefs are we going to get this week? Why do the Patriots look good? Why did Lamar Jackson look like? <laughs> You know, he finally broke through and then he throws
1: four See, the interceptions. Prob- the, like, the problem is like, I have where, no gauge we want, on this. where we want kind of this a little bit more parity and say something like college football, you kind of don't want that in the NFL, right? I think to a large extent you like this idea that like, oh, you know, a lot of teams are still alive and can still make the playoffs and yada, yada, yada. But then you're like looking at it and saying like. But these are bad football teams. Like, Bear? I don't want to watch these teams anymore. Like, God Almighty, I suffered through that Thanksgiving Day game watching the Bears Ames. just play something <laughs> that was vaguely football-like. Like, I'm watching the Bills just become the Bills again. Like, I'm watching these football yep. teams, and I'm like, nobody's any good. Like, it's it's well, we, shocking to me We how we get bad glimpses of the good. games are this year.
0: We get glimpses of the good teams being but good. But nobody's and putting then, it together. And then Nobody we get glimpses of good teams being bad and losing. And so, I don't know. Again, I, I kind of no, like it because every like, week I'm really questioning what's going to happen. Like, well, yeah, we got a good team going up against not so good. Oh, that, oh okay, that was Oh, that score. team just
1: gave up 40 points. What the hell just happened here? Yeah, we wrote like, the
0: Dolphins off early season, and now that their defense has started to put together, their offense is starting to put it together, and you're just going, well, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Hold on.
1: <laughs> you guys might win the division.
0: Yeah. Like, what? The Titans. Yeah. Who 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 have the Titans lost to, right? Like they've lost to like the Jets. And I think what is it, like the Texans or something like that. And then then they just Did get they trounced the by the Patriots. Like yeah, the Jags, thank you. And the but Jags. It, it's, like, it's, and it's just like, you know, I I, I kinda like it. Because again, it's it's like this chaos theory, like, well well, what if <laughs> what but see, if
1: a, but the problem is I could deal with this if these were like I could deal with this if we were having, like, if you and I and we're all looking and everybody was looking at this season going, oh my God, this is the best season of football. It, it's total chaos. Nobody knows what's going to happen, but the stars are shining so brightly. This is just a bad, assy season. Good players are bad. Mediocre players are aggressively bad and bad players are somehow finding extended <laughs> runs in football teams. Like this is just like I could I could get behind this idea more if it was like I said, if it was really good football. The problem with this is that's just so much ugly football this season. Just there is. so much ugliness in this season.
0: There is. But I, I think we were going to see something like this rear its head. After going from a season with no fans to a season with fans, and a lot of these quarterbacks, I think that got comfortable with last year. You mean you mean I can walk up to the line, make the audibles, and I can hear myself think this This is great. And then you're having to make an adjustment. There's seventy thousand people here, and I can't like I can't hear it by player next to me. So, a little bit of that maybe.
1: I guess. I mean, maybe, maybe it was just the, the the weirdness of last season finally caught up to everybody now, and it's just kind of— the amount of
0: injuries we've seen this year. The amount of injuries that we've just seen over and over again throughout the year has just been kind of crazy. Like, big players going down, getting injured, and then not being able to to bounce right back. They're out for multiple games. We got Russell Wilson. We got Kyler Murray that went out. We had Rogers with the COVID thing. Like it's just been and I got all turf over the toe. place. Yeah. Well, supposedly he looked fine. <laughs> that seemed to supposedly. work itself out. But
1: it, it's just been a Again, weird. What a weirdo. Just what a weirdo. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, all right. I, I do want to get to, to one segment and a couple points before, before we jump into our picks one, <laughs> I have to mention this. My Cowboys can't get it together. Everyone in that building's got COVID apparently but but being, with, <laughs> but being without, without Mike McCarthy on the sideline, <laughs> I am not exactly devastated by that by that one. It's like, oh yeah, we're missing Mike McCarthy, who's terrible at time and game management, okay, yeah, I, I can live with that no, okay but then right, it's, but then it's just the amount of like players and coaches, here. yeah that are that are out that like the cowboys can't get out of their own way at this point, like follow the rules, Cooper's going to be out again it's just like guys. What, what are you doing in this building, right? Like, and that stems, I think, all from the head coach and from the organization as well. They got to get it together. They looked like, you know, a top-tier team to start off the season. And they've dropped three in November and have looked like a complete and utter disaster. They don't run the football. They can't yeah, keep players on the field. Football. They uh, can't, for the lack they of better to be terms, healthy, you know,
1: so. the only the only way I can describe the Cowboys offense right now is constipated. <laughs> like, it just doesn't know if it's coming or going, you know? Like, they don't know what they're doing right oh, now. Oh, and when and it's I going, think, though, it's going. But when it's not, it's it's ugly. But, but like I said, and it's, it, it's weird because I think you're right. Like, are we seeing right now the inability of the Cowboys coaching staff to to punch back. Like the reason they were looking good early in the season is they were out scheming people. Now that they have eight, nine games of film, everybody's looking at them saying, Oh, okay, so when they come out in this formation, this is what they're gonna do and this is what's gonna happen. And now are the Cowboys just incapable of counterpunching? I I
0: don't think it's it's incapable of counterpunching, right? We've been without left tackles, starting receivers. So I think some of this falls back to a little bit of Kellen Moore. Tr- trying to figure out how to scheme up plays when he doesn't have Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb out there running him, right? But then it's also got to fall on McCarthy going, you know what? There are some games we just don't run the football enough. I don't care what you've drawn up. I want this amount of running plays this week because that's what we need to be doing, regardless of what tackles out. And that defense missing their two top pass rushers, um, minus Micah Parsons, obviously, that's going to have an impact on the way that defense plays, you know, being out to Marcus Lawrence, being out Randall, Randy Gregory. I mean, that has an impact on how you play defense on that side of the football. If you're not generating any kind of pass rush without sending an extra man or lining up Parsons and then everyone going, well, he's rushing the quarterback, so we'll just put two on him. And he's still making (laughs) plays, but at the same time, like that limits what you're able to do from a scheme standpoint. So I don't think this is, I don't think the football, like the the playing on the field, has had the biggest impact as much as the coaching staff either being, you know, enabled to make those adjustments or just not be there in general. <laughs> so they just gotta figure it out. They they just gotta get it done. Ugh. And it's time for an overreaction segment.
1: Okay. Let's do it.
0: I've seen enough of the Seahawks.
1: Yeah, wow. It's, that was
0: it's time. And and I get it. This is their first losing season, but nothing seems to be working. They traded all this capital for Jamal Adams, who, cool, great. Yeah. Um, I, I, but you traded I, I just, your future.
1: Yeah. You mortgage the future for, like, again, a, a weirdest thing in the world. They pushed their – were they just not looking around the rest of the division? Was it one of those things where the Seahawks were just like, well, you know, the 49ers suck and the Cardinals always suck and the Rams suck, we're going to be fine. Like, were you not looking around the rest of your division to realize your division got better and you didn't? Every Every team team in your division got better and you didn't do anything. For now
0: and for later. Like, this wasn't just a happened overnight. They've been doing this for years. But I think this is the end of Pete Carroll. I think this is the end of his time. I think Wilson if this continues to go the way it's going, his interviews, his press conferences just sound a little different than his normal. Hey, you know, yeah. And, and part of that's losing, you know, we've never seen Mm -hmm. him lose this much, but maybe Pete Carroll just doesn't quite have the juice that he used to have in that locker room. They don't have the Legion of boom. They tried to let Russ cook, you know, per se and have decisions in that. And maybe that backfired a little bit in Mm -hmm. their direction. Um, so whether that's good or bad for their relationship or not, but that's my overreaction
1: is that the Seahawks are done. Pete Carroll is now, done. I'm gonna, Wilson's on I'm, the move. I'm going to go ahead and agree with know, all of your overreactions here. But, I just think that this team just, you know, it, it's crazy because sometimes you don't even know the window is shut until you turn around and look at it and go, Oh no! Yeah. What am I gonna do now? When, when did those boards go up? Yeah, right. Not an eviction like that, notice, and yeah. I think that's just where the Seahawks got. They thought, okay, let's just kind of turn a little piece here, turn a little piece there. We need one more player, brother, buddy. That's all we need. We need one more player, and they go and mortgage the future for this one more player. And it's like, no, you yeah. needed so many more players. Yeah, and now, now we've got
0: what it is. This is this is what it is. Um, my other one. And again, probably overreaction. I think tackling's just look different in the NFL. Part of the reason, I think this is also, though, maybe part of the reason that we've seen so many injuries this year. And it's something I've noticed watching all these games, which is, you remember old school football, right? Like, you were taught to what? Just run through the player, right? Hat on a hat. Hat on a hat, hat. and you run through the ball when you're trying to tackle someone. Now, what I've seen, I don't know if this is just... It's not just this year. It can't have been just this year. But when you go to tackle a player now, what I see more often than not, they're wrapping up, which I like, but then they're picking their feet up off the ground. They're just putting all their weight on the person that's carrying the ball, which you've played football. You you play rugby. Like Certain ways when you get tackled causes bad angles to happen. So we've seen ACLs are usually non-contact, but MCLs, calf strains, things like that. I think that's now a nature of the way that we're seeing tackling changes we're moving forward. These guys are wrapping up, lifting up all their weight, and when that happens, your body swings in towards the person running the football, which is usually right around the knees or the hip area or the, mm-hmm. or the calf, and then all of a sudden, all your weight, 200 pounds of it, maybe 225 on average of, of tackling players minus you know, cornerbacks, is coming down on the lower legs, and then these feet are caught planted to the ground with 220 pounds swinging at your knee or swinging at your calf, and then you're just crumbling. And so maybe that's it. Maybe we need to look at tackling, making some changes in that space going, you know what, this is not good. Not good for the product on the field because we're seeing more injuries, and it's just just not a safe way to go about it.
1: I mean, here's... Here's the truth of the matter. The way that you and I especially were taught to play football was, yeah, you you do things that are now today illegal. I mean, my coaches, you know, our coaches oh, yeah. were telling us when we were kids, you know, you put that crown of your helmet. You put that on that football and you punch that football and you use that. I mean, we were mm-hmm. all but told to basically use our entire bodies as a projectile weapon. Yeah, and do the Brian Dawkins. Was, heads as a battering ram. Just yep, poosh. And that was – we were basically taught to scramble people's eggs, for lack of better terms, right? <laughs> if you could do it, if you could catch it. I remember one time in practice, one of my friends, same guy, same year as me, he had just come back from injury and he's in practice and, and we're doing you know drills and stuff like that and there's a turnover, immediate turnover, and he's on the defensive side and I'm on the uh, – the, well, he was on the offensive side and I was on the defensive side. And it's immediate turnover. So he's running towards me, but I have like this perfect opportunity for a a crack back, right? Just, (laughs) he does not, no head on a swivel. Like, again, first practice back for like the entire season, right? Yep. And I give him just a nice little shoulder pop, just a nice little, hey, what's up? You know, give him a little pop, let him know that I was there and, you know, scare him a little bit. Hey, man, you probably wouldn't be paying attention while you're doing this. But my coaches come to me and say, well, why didn't you knock him out? And I'm like, what do you mean, why didn't I knock him out? It's my teammate. It's a practice. What are you talking about? (laughs) And they're like, oh, you missed an opportunity to de that guy. We would have seen that. And I'm like, oh, I see. You're all sociopaths who enjoy watching (laughs) 17-year-olds kill each other. I get it now. That's fine. But so it's like the way we were taught to play football was wildly unsustainable. And that, you know, those chickens eventually came home to roost because now we understand that these guys who did this for years at a high level – have some issues just had profound profound implications so it's like so a lot of them did try to go back to yes a much more kind of rugby inspired tackling style that takes the impetus off the tall part the the one thing that i always try to tell people about rugby is like yes they're not wearing any pads but neither are you (laughs) you can't just throw a shoulder into a guy one it's illegal in rugby and two it's just gonna hurt You You have to wrap up. You have to use that momentum against them. Now, the thing about it, the the major differences in rugby a lot of the times is that once you've wrapped that man up, you're still trying to drive through them. But again, the difference between these two sports is that rugby is very much happening in two dimensions, right? Very, very rarely is the ball going over your head that you can't track anymore. You are very, very rarely turning your back to the offense. If you're playing defense, you're very rarely turning your back to the offense. If you're playing offense, you're very rarely turning your back on the defense. Football is a game that happens in three dimensions. You know, you are a defensive lineman. It doesn't mean that they're going to run right at you. They might throw over your head. If you're a linebacker or, or a safety, you have to cover all of that ground in all directions possible. So that when you catch this guy, you know, you make the play on this guy, it used to be the way that, yeah, you went across the middle. You just knocked him out because, yeah, kill him as they come across the middle. Now, though, we don't want to kill the guys anymore. We're not trying to murder people in the field and, you know, ruin the rest of their lives. So you are trying to make these tackles happen at a lower level, but that is part of it, that these guys aren't really – you're still in very much the first generation of players who were trained to tackle – lower than they were before yeah and so they're still not really sure how it happens and more importantly as those tackles come it's not me squaring up to you it's i'm going to catch you at a pursuit angle i'm going to catch you at this different angle the entire time so i mean i don't know if it's an overreaction but we are coming dangerously close to the very very fundamental important part question of football yeah does this sport have a future I think it does.
0: I think it does, but they're figuring it out. But right now we're in a place where, yeah, we're not seeing, we're being more cognizant of head injuries and football shouldn't be played in such a space, obviously that you're just, every time you tackle someone, you're worried about if you're going to injure them or yourself or whatever. But the way that I've just seen it play out, it seems to be more this season is that wrap. And then I'm going to make you drag me or carry me. But when you do that, you're just knocking into their knees. You're knocking into their ankles you know, you're causing these awkward falls. I think we need to move back a little bit more towards traditional football was, right? You wrap and drive through, not just wrap, hang on, and, you know, wait for them to, to carry you two or three yards, but they can't carry me because I'm 250 pounds extra. It's like, well, you know, these are big people. They're more than capable, but I think it starts at a, at a higher level of, hey, guys, this is really what we expect. We don't want you losing out on a possibility to keep playing this game based upon the way someone's tackling you or the, based upon the way you're tackling someone else.
1: So. Yeah. I mean, and that's where you're getting to the really at the end of the day. I mean, if you're talking about this question, functionally, what we might be getting into is we love the idea of the Aaron Donald's of the world, like a, a 275 pound, 285 pound man who runs like the wind. I mean, you just have to get to a point at some point in time where you're just saying, okay, You just can't be this big anymore. We just can't have people be this big anymore.
0: Like, do you see Miles Garrett lately just like chase Lamar Jackson out of the pocket and you're just going, why is that big man really, really fast?
1: Why, why (laughs) is the big man (laughs) as fast as the little man? This doesn't make any sense.
0: Like that is 270, 80 pounds of, of, human strength just There's, running There are four supposed four. to
1: be trade-offs here. There's supposed to be trade-offs in size and <laughs> speed. And you mean to tell me we don't make that trade-off anymore? Yeah. Like the big guys are just as fast as the little guys? Can, Come can, on, man. Can,
0: can the Browns just walk up to him and be like, so have you ever thrown a football? Like, uh, are you, do you have any interest in throwing the football maybe? Because I don't think anyone's going to be able to sack you, and that's if they caught you. <laughs> like, <sighs> I just don't, I don't understand it. Uh. All right. Let's get to some picks. We got some games to pick. I haven't even thought about the picks. I should have thought about the picks because I am doing terrible. Absolutely terrible. I am at a 14 and 14 record so far in the season. Robbie leading the pack at 16 and 9 and Dan my boy, guest
1: at 13 and 9 not far behind. Hey, so By the way, Tino Tino, yep. just I believe it was just yesterday. or no, maybe it was today. Happy oh thirteen to nine day. Just a little jab at all the West Virginia fans out there. Remember what is a pit fan's favorite time? Tino, it's eight forty seven Why? Because it's thirteen to nine
0: <laughs> Good Lord. all right i'm gonna I'm gonna kick this off to you. I'm gonna let you make the make the pick first on this one probably know which way i'm leaning we got cowboys versus saints dallas favored minus four and a half it is a thursday night game they're a week out from their previous game without amari cooper saints finally got wise decided to pay the guy or you know put the guy that they're paying Taysom hill back in there at quarterback after the trevor simeon experiment
1: who do you got in this game i just oh god I, i what are we what are the saints doing I don't know. What are they? What are they doing?
0: I don't know. I, I wish I could tell you. It, like it didn't make any sense that Simeon started so many games when you're paying Taysom Hill. Because Taysom's not a quarterback.
1: Every like, turn, he's just not a quarterback. Sean Payton's
0: praised it, him and going Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill, this, Taysom Hill, that. Reminds me of a you know
1: kind of a Steve Young kind of thing, and it's like this is why this is, is so playing? stupid. This is so stupid because again, Tino, this is a league where talent wins out. If you are talented enough to do the job. My God, somebody will give it to you, which tells me everything I need to know about Taysom Hill. He's not <laughs> talented enough to do the job.
0: He's talented, like but I said. Maybe not as a
1: quarterback, one hundred percent of the time. <laughs> See, it's he's Tim Tebow. He's Tim Tebow at the end of the day, and it's just the dumbest the stuff in the world. I can't believe I can't believe we're doing this still. Like I'm just like to this to the Saints season was ended when uh, Winston went down. Yeah. When Winston when Jameis got hurt because that's the end of the season. They don't. You cannot win in this league without a quarterback. I thought Jameis was taking at least a moderate step forward. He looked kind of a little bit better this season. No, I just, for as banged up as the Cowboys are, I just cannot envision a world in which the Saints can beat them. <laughs> I just, I, I can't, I cannot see this world coming to fruition.
0: Well, hopefully, hopefully they turn this skid around. Cause man, if you fall to the Saints with Taysom Hill, who's just now started taking first team reps at quarterback beat you, uh, there's going to be a lot more questions. Yeah, All right, I just... <sighs> yeah. Alright, do we have... We have a divisional game, and I always think divisional games are interesting just because of the difference in play that we often see. The opponents are familiar with each other, coaches are familiar with each other. So we got 49ers versus Seahawks. This is in Seattle. San Francisco's favored, minus three and a half. Who do you
1: got? I just... <laughs> Can can the Here's Seahawks the essentially end stupid, their skit? This is why this is such a stupid season, right? Because the the smart money and the smart pick is to say San Francisco here. But again, you never know. <laughs> these teams are both kind of just assy. Like none of these teams are really that good. And I'm just like, I don't know, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna be con, I'm gonna be contrarian for the sake of being contrarian here, and I will take the Seahawks because it's, I just think it. It feels like one
0: of those games. I mean, it just feels like one of those games that, you know, like we, that like we, we just, said. We
1: all just we all have talked ourselves into the, the fact that the Seahawks were exposed. And it's like, yeah, but were they were they really? Or did we just say that because we think they did? <laughs> I don't know. It's a divisional
0: game. I never know what's going to happen in divisional, ga- divisional games. So um, I'm still taking the Niners. I think the Niners have turned a corner as long as Jimmy G can stay healthy. I think they've got a real football team there. Uh, but they are without some pieces, so it's going to be interesting to see how they respond. Especially, that's always a tough environment to play. And I don't care if the Seahawks are good or
1: bad, that crowd is rowdy. So yeah, so also, I'm going to stick. I'm going to go with the Seahawks here, just because why not? Like what? A, who the hell knows? Picking anything is a total crapshoot this season. So why not? It Seahawks, really is. Let's do it.
0: It really is, and it's like so. Next one: Chargers versus Bengals. Cincinnati minus three. It is a home game for Cincinnati, which means. This is really a 50-50 ball game. Chargers just laid an egg last week. We were at this game. Me and Robbie were at this one watching the Chargers just do absolutely nothing for most of the, the game. And Herbert, you know, taking his lumps as a sophomore, throwing some, some bad interceptions. Um, but we've also seen the Bengals kind of move up and down. They've looked really good, Then they've looked very, you know, Bengal-ish. This is, I mean, Uh,
1: everything you need to know about this Bengals team is that they go into a game against the Browns as a favorite, and they get (laughs) obliterated by the Browns. They come into a game against the Steelers as the underdog, and they just, the Steelers get, like, they're not even there. So it's, I cannot make heads or tails of this team, but I think that they're the ultimate yo-yo team. They're great one week, trash the next. It's hard. Great one week trash the next when and i think good. it is i think they look real they, good that they're still trying to put it together i think that this the Bengals are still probably about a year out from being actually good that i think right now they're still trying to figure out what that looks like and how they move forward and i just think that the chargers are a little bit ahead of them in that way so even though it's a west coast team going to the the east coast time i'll still take the chargers here
0: well 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 we've got some parody and i like it I think if the Bengals and really if their head coach can figure out when you run the ball, good things happen, <laughs> regardless of whether or how productive it is, it's just, you know, continuing to run the football seems to have an effect on this game for whatever reason. They've started to do that. Joe Mixon had a great game last week. I'm taking the Bengals in this one. But like you said, this is one of those games easily to flip the other direction. Herbert can come out angry and just start flinging the ball like we know he can. I just don't know which team we're going to get and on which side. So I'm going to go with most recent recency bias here. Bengals taking it in the home win. All right. Last one here. Same thing. We've got Patriots been riding high playing the bills who have been all sorts of up and down Buffalo still favored minus two and a half. So it's another coin flip game. Who do you trust here? Do the Pats keep the streak going? Or do the Bills I just think
1: at this point in time, out? the Patriots have a better idea of who they are than the Bills do. That I think the Patriots, for as crazy as that sounds, I think the Patriots are in a better place than the Bills are right now. And I don't know what that says about the Bills necessarily, <laughs> but I just think that, you know, again, it's going to be a very interesting question because what did we learn about COVID year, And what did COVID year change? And again, to, to the thing that you said earlier, is Josh Allen actually a quarterback who just cannot perform when there's fans in the building. Like, is that all it comes down to? And this is just a guy who is unable to do this, that he took this monumental leap last year, but he's kind of regressing back down to earth again this year and becoming a little bit more of the quarterback that he was before. So, I, I, you know, I just think at the end of the day that we're looking much, much, much closer to a Patriots team that is not good, Don't get me wrong. I don't think that this is a good team per se, but I think they have a much better idea of who they are and what they're trying to accomplish. I I would
0: argue against that. I would think the Patriots are a good team. I think they they really are a very good football team. They had a lot of players out last year, taking the year off because of COVID, but they went out and spent money, and I think they spent money in the right places, right pass rushers, some offensive line, you know, They've got a trio of whoever's running the ball this week in that backfield (laughs) in New England. But I think what New England can't do is what's more concerning. They've been able to win, but no one, I don't think, has really forced them to pass the ball over the top consistently. Mac Jones completing passes, yes, all over the field, but all within that 10 or 15 yards or less range. So, I think the Bills have an opportunity here. They should have enough game tape at this point to go, you know what? I know what they can't do. I know they can't throw it over the top, and I dare you to try. Because that, you know, um, Buffalo's got some pretty good safety play. They got Micah Hyde back there playing safety. I think they can do, uh, they can put a top on that offense and go, you know what? Um, We'll play everything short beat us by throwing the football down the field, which is something we haven't seen from Mac Jones yet. I'm going to go with the experienced over the inexperienced as far as quarterbacks are going to go. I'm going to go bills in that one. It's I in Experienced is doing game.
1: quite a experienced is doing quite a bit of heavy lifting there, but okay, sure.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying that, that, that a little bit of extra experience versus the inexperienced um, plays a big role there. So I know Belichick's still on that sideline. Josh McDaniels still drawing up plays, but I haven't seen Mac Jones go out there and push the ball down the field. So I think you take away that underneath game, really stack everyone in there, and go, "Let me see what you got." And if that's the game they're going to play, I would take the Bills in that situation. So
1: fair enough. Ah,
0: there it is. I need redemption here. I'm I'm floating way behind here. I've got five extra losses on my on my you resume. Can, you can do it, to Tino. You too so. I have faith. <laughs> at least that's one person maybe just one person but that's one person so
1: jesus do you have anything tina do we have anything else to add then
0: i mean anything we, else to add to the for the good of the order today i mean we can probably talk about college football for
1: another hour but, yeah. oh my god we can talk about so much college football <laughs> right now so forget it hey folks that's all we appreciate you stopping stopping on by uh wasting some time with myself tino uh Robbie who is not here tonight of course Uh, Please by all means don't forget to follow us here On the Twitterverse of The Unrequested Or email us here at theunrequestedpc At gmail.com Share your thoughts, predictions, wants, desires Deepest, darkest secrets Like that time you killed your friend and buried his body In Tijuana We won't tell anybody Wink, wink. (laughs) Anywho, don't forget to tell all your friends Family, associates, business partners Business partners that you want dead Wink, wink About this podcast uh, rate us, review us, give us a subscribe, share with your friends. We'll see everybody next week. Kitty Pickett you pick Kitty Pickett for